I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. We are back here on the Nightcap live from Circus Sports. I'm Stormy Bonantoni alongside my guy, JVT. We've talked NHL. We've talked a little NFL and college football, a little teeny tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we got all in on the NBA finals. But now what's going on live right now in Major League Baseball? Well, there's a lot going on. Uh, let us start with the game that uh, is pretty tight and pretty close and uh, just got started pretty much. <laughs> Top of the fourth inning, the Giants and the Dodgers. Julio Arias got the start here for L.A. It is a 1-1 tie between the two. I, I think it's notable for a couple of reasons. Some spots opened as high as about like $2.10 in favor of the Los Angeles Dodgers, but closed in the range of $1.70, $1.58. So there was some movement in action for the San Francisco Giants here. So we're all knotted up at one apiece. Uh, total, no real move. Sh- opened up. Eight and a half shaded to the over at a buck fifteen. Now we're sitting uh, at eight and a half flat at the close. And I want to note one performance because selfishly, this is a guy that I had been wanted to keep track of coming into the second half, Stormy. Because I thought a guy like Chris Paddock, if you looked at some of his underlying numbers, had a whole bunch of buy low stuff written around it. You know, he came, he went into the second half ERA over five. I had some issues with home runs and keeping them in the park. But if you looked at some of his other numbers, you saw that maybe there was some positive regression coming for him. Now, the Padres won his first start out of the break, but it was it was an insanely high-scoring affair. Today against the Braves turns into a much better performance. Goes five innings, three hits, no earned runs, only one strikeout, so gave up some contact, but a really solid outing for Paddock. And it's hard to buy low on a guy who's a starting pitcher for mm-hmm. a team like the Padres, uh, but a good performance that shows that Paddock, in terms of that buy low um, underlying trend, that maybe it's going to continue here for Paddock as the Padres have won his first two starts out of the gate in the second half. Uh, what, what do you got? When there are doubleheaders, do you like betting both games? 
No, I mean, not really. It just depends. You, you, you always want to just find your edge and bet yeah. it. Like, you don't want to sit back and, personally at least, just be like, hey, let's bet baseball to bet baseball. If you've got mm-hmm. an edge, you want to bet it. Uh, but I will not uh, sit back and bet the both sides of a doubleheader just for fun. Um, let's see. So that game goes 3-2. That was the first of the doubleheader. The other suspended. Uh, the Padres in that one had a 5-4 to four lead. So we'll see if that is going to be made up or not. Other games that are final that are worth mentioning. How about this? The Red Sox get a win over the Toronto Blue Jays today. Why this is notable? One, the Red Sox continue to maintain their spot at the top of the AL East. The other is that Robbie Ray, who had been getting some traction maybe for some Cy Young, um, I'll say some Cy Young support, turns in a pretty solid performance. No, not really. Uh, Robbie Ray here against the uh, Blue, or excuse me, against the Boston Red Sox. Six and two, or excuse me, five. Looking at the wrong one. Five innings, five hits. Four earned runs, struck out four, but gave up three homers. And so now this isn't a sign that Robbie Ray is going to start to melt. Uh, he has been absolutely phenomenal. If you look at his numbers, tight across the board had been phenomenal. Uh, but it's always funny when the rumbling start, like, hey, watch out, Robbie Ray, Cy Young. And then, of course, he turns into a performance like this against the Boston Red Sox. But still on the season, 3-1-2 where you are. The walks, which have been an issue in his career, still down, solid performance. But the Red Sox uh, continuing to kind of maintain their pace there in the American League East. And speaking of, uh, today the Rays get a walk-off win. Uh, Two out, two run single in the ninth. Beat the Orioles 5-4 with Meadows. Uh, So they come back and beat the Baltimore Orioles. A notable result there between those two clubs. One of really a lot of day games today. Yeah. There, were, there were a lot of day games. There are 15 games on the slate today as a whole in this Indians-Astros game that's about to start the ninth yep. inning here. Indians lead by one, and that's gone over the eight-and-a-half total. Yes, it has. And the Houston Astros, some spots opened as high as a $3.10 favorite, mm. closing about two seventy, two fifty, depending on where you shop. Lance McCullers versus Eli Morgan. And again, kind of looking at what you were going to expect from guys going forward into the second half, one of the dudes in terms of his underlying numbers that showed that, ah, you know, maybe there is going to be a little bit of a fallback here. Not massive, but that he was pitching a little above his skis. That would be Lance McCullers. And today, five innings pitch, but gives up four earned runs, walks two guys, did strike out eight, but the earned runs gets tagged around a little bit here by Cleveland Indians uh, lineup. Not very good, but the Astros, best lineup in baseball, my pick to come out of the American League. They got the support to be able to potentially do this here in the ninth inning. Got to get to the bottom of the ninth first, so we'll see if they can pull that off and get out of here by only giving up nothing. Yeah, Phillies and Yankees also tied at five right Mm -hmm. now going into the ninth, so I'm just still trying to figure out what in the world is going on with the Yankees. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they... They're playing different now that they've got players missing from COVID. (laughs) Well, which makes some sense, but uh, that's what you get here on the Nightcap. On the nightcap, and we just got finished wrapping up a bunch of the MLB scores from around the league so far today. 15 games on the slate, just a little bit. We're going to be joined by Matt Humans, who is a fellow VEASAN host of ours, going to talk a little bit of college football. So Yankees fan, too. He is a Yankees he's fan? He's a Yankees fan, too. So then he's probably sweating that that 5-5 score right now. Humans uh, sweats a lot, but I don't think he's sweating the Yankees. He's a very um, aloof Yankees fan. Very distant. Keeps him at arm's length. I'm... See, for me, when it comes to baseball, I'm more of like a 
player, like a fan of certain players. Player, yeah. So I'm a big Aaron Judge guy. So I'm not rooting for the Yankees. And obviously Aaron Judge isn't playing right now because of the COVID situation. But he's a Fresno State guy. And I used to work for the Mountain West Conference. You did? And I did, yeah. So I like I like Aaron Judge. Not so much the Yankees, but Matt Humans likes the Yankees. And we're so happy. A lot of those Mountain West Roundup videos <laughs> used to watch back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, don't give me that. But so happy to be joined now by you, Matt. Uh, we, we heard that you don't sweat about the Yankees, though. First of all, what a dynamic duo this is. <laughs> Great to be on with Stormy and JVT. And I can't believe Tim Murray's got more vacation time. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> In the running, uh, in the running with Gil Alexander, humans. <laughs> and I don't know what you're complimenting uh, here. It's more like Dumb and Dumber on this desk, and I'm the Dumber, unfortunately, JBC. I'm just glad Stormy is uh, on VSIN here this week because last time we tried to get her on during hockey season, the producer sent me a text and said Stormy's not allowed to be on a betting network. <laughs> I said, what? It was just about hockey because we were in the playoffs. It's not my fault, Matt. Trust at me. I wish I that, that I could have joined you. I wish I could. But we're supposed to be talking college football with you right now. So um, I am just a little bit curious what your takes are. If you look at the, the odds for who's going to win the national championship next year, of course, Alabama, the standout favorite. But who do you like beyond that as a potential dark horse? Well, I think the College Football Futures Board is incredibly boring, to be honest with you, really? because every year we talk about, you know, the same maybe seven or eight teams in the hunt for those uh, four playoff spots. So that's why I'm looking forward to the playoff when it, it expands to 12 teams, because that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for teams to bet on the Futures Board, teams that, like Cincinnati this year that could get into the playoff if it expanded, but probably won't be able to get it in, get in the playoff this year even though I think Cincinnati has a chance to be sensational this year. Uh, I don't really mess much with the College Football Futures Board because I don't think there's much value on there. Um, when I was making my picks, playoff picks, for the VEASAN College Football Betting Guide, which, which is uh, going to be out here in about a week, I really went out on a limb, and I started with Clemson, mm. Alabama. Yeah, uh, I can't even remember if I put in Ohio State or Oklahoma as the third <laughs> team. I think I used Oklahoma. And then uh, I, I did throw in Cincinnati as a fourth team. I, I put the Bearcats in there because they play at Indiana and at Notre Dame, so they got a chance to pick up a couple of marquee road wins. And if they do that, I think Cincinnati could run the table and maybe squeak in as the fourth team, even though we know the uh, system is rigged to uh, keep out teams outside the Power Five like Cincinnati. But that's one team I do like. Um, I just don't think Cincinnati can get in the playoff. But – uh, Oklahoma is probably the team right now. You would say it's got the a great shot to get in there uh, because I, when I look at the Big Twelve, I know Iowa State's going to be a threat, but I think the Sooners might have Lincoln Riley's best team. Spencer Rattler is the real deal, and I'm not completely sold on that yet. But uh, I have not made one bet on the College Football Futures Board, and I'm not sure I will. So humans, I will give you the opportunity to shout me down like you did the other day when we were in studio together. Uh, I don't know if you <laughs> took a glimpse of my selections in the college football guide. I wrote the Mountain West, by the way. Hey, uh, my guy. Way under on the San Diego State Aztecs. Um, no. What a jerk. I went out on a limb myself. Oh, yeah, that's right. JT Daniels and the Georgia Bulldogs losing to Clemson in the national championship game. Why am I crazy? Uh, Georgia's been open, obviously, with uh, Clemson in, mm -hmm. a, in a neutral site game. And I think the Bulldogs after that are pretty much going to have to run the table if they get to the playoffs. And that might even mean beating a team like Alabama in the SEC championship game. I don't think Georgia's schedule is all that 
difficult. Um, Bulldogs do play at Auburn. They play Florida on a neutral. Other than that, uh, I think they should pretty much coast. But if uh, Georgia loses to Clemson and then loses Alabama in the SEC championship game, JVT, do you still think your guy JT Daniels is going to get to the playoff? Uh, no, which is why I had them beating Alabama in the SEC title game, okay. my friend. Okay. okay. <laughs> One loss Georgia with a win over Alabama, only lost to Clemson. That's a playoff resume. Well, it would be. If that, if that happens, it would be. I, I'm just not as crazy about JT Daniels as uh, you are, JBT. I know last uh, late last season there was a lot of hype about him when he, he stepped in that offense and Georgia put up big numbers. They scored 45 against South Carolina, 49 at Missouri. Those were not good teams, though. And then Cincinnati should have beat Georgia, outplayed Georgia in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and uh, they choked and lost that game by three, but Cincinnati should have won that game. I'm I'm not quite as high on Georgia as you are, but sure, you can make a case for the Bulldogs. It's the mustache. That's what gets me. It's the JT Daniels mustache. <laughs> well, with the super senior rule this year, I mean, that should help a number of teams returning production across the country is at all-time highs right now. I'm curious just with when it comes to the college football playoff, though, and you talk about how they don't like the outsiders looking in, and it's very true, how much do you think the late season games are going to be more important? Because I feel like another issue with the – playoff committee is how much they take into account recency bias. Sure, that's always uh, an emphasis. Well, you know, the committees acts like they're, they're trying to um, to give you the, the launch codes to the space shuttle when it's actually one of the simplest tasks any crew could have the entire year. Let's pick the four playoff teams. Man, we got to really put our heads together and sit in a room for a month and try to figure this out. It's pretty easy, and it's... Uh, like you said, that you do have recency bias late in the season, and um, that's going to play a big part in it. But I still think it's going to come down to the same teams we talk about pretty much every year getting to the playoff. I would um, I would rather actually talk about some win total plays and uh, maybe talk a little bit about the Pac-12, which I'm working on for the betting guide. And I think the Pac-12 is a pretty intriguing conference. Oftentimes, the odd man out in the playoff picture, and that's probably going to be the case again this year. Well, let's go in that direction then, humans, uh, because uh, the other limb that I went out on, uh, Utah, uh, not only representing their division in the Pac-12 title game, but winning this thing. Uh, when you look at the top two teams in that conference, uh, am I out of this world to think that Utah, with key transfer a quarterback and a lot of returning personnel, uh, that they could ultimately come out of this conference? No, you're not crazy at all, JVT. In fact, I bet Utah 10-1 to to win the Pac-12 two days ago. And I like this team a lot. Kyle Whittingham, he's rock solid, the most reliable coach in the Pac-12. And uh, I think he's got a team here that reflects his blue-collar image. And up front, the Utes return all of their starters on the offensive line. They have a deep, experienced defensive line. I rank the offensive and defensive lines at Utah number one in the Pac-12. They've got 10 starters back on defense. Whittingham's a great defensive coach. I think the team's most important starter could be a newcomer. You're talking about Baylor graduate mm-hmm. transfer quarterback Charlie Brewer. When you look at the Utes last season, uh, their early losses had a lot to do with incompetent quarterback play, and I think Charlie Brewer could you know, possibly solve that. He should be able to solve that. He's an experienced quarterback. And when you break down the schedule, I think Utah is going to be favored in 11 games. The only obvious underdog spot, October 9th at USC, and uh, Utah actually catches a scheduling break here. They get home games against Arizona State, Oregon, and UCLA. So the Sun Devils, Ducks, and Bruins all have to go to Salt Lake City. I've said along for a long time, Whittingham's a bet on coach. When I bet futures in college football, I want to bet on 
the guys I consider the strongest coaches, the guys I rate as the best. And Whittingham's right up there near the top. And when he's got the top offensive and defensive lines, that's a formula to have a great season. I think Utah's got the potential to win 10 games. I like uh, the Utes over 8.5 and, and 10 to 1 to win the Pac 12. Yeah, no question. I, I'm a big Kyle Whittingham fan myself, and they had a lot of tough breaks last year. I mean, even they go through all of the trouble hiding who their starting quarterback's going to be for that first game mm-hmm. that they finally get to play, and then he goes down in game one. And then between COVID issues and game cancellations, that conference as a whole, though, like how tough is it to get a read on the Pac-12 this year just because of the limited schedule that they played last year starting so late? Yeah, you don't have a lot to work with as far as 2020. You're right about that. I was I just finished everything I was working on for the Pac-12. And, you know, you think about a team like Arizona State, which played four games and really didn't even uh, start its season until late, uh, late in the fall. So um, I, I didn't really pay – I didn't put a big emphasis on what happened last season. You really can't, like you said, Stormy, at the start with this uh, – with a lot of players coming back in the new rule with an extra year, you can't even put too much stock into returning starters because so many teams have a lot of returning starters. I don't know how many teams I've looked at. I have 19 or 20 returning starters. You know, it's, uh, it's crazy. You don't see this a lot of times in college football. In fact, Notre Dame's one of the few teams that don't, uh, the Irish don't have a lot of starters coming back. So I didn't, I didn't look a lot at uh, what happened last year when I was forecasting what's going to happen in 2021. But it is a, it's a challenging conference to figure out because I think the Pac-12 South has really improved. I think Utah is the best team, even though the media pundits are going to pick USC probably across the board. Uh, Clay Helton's not one of my favorite coaches, and they tend to un- underachieve. And, in fact, USC needed, um, needed miracles, basically, improbable comebacks to beat, to beat three teams on the schedule last year. Uh, talking about Arizona, Arizona State, and uh, UCLA, uh, the Trojans need a big comeback to even win those games. Arizona State's interesting. Jaden Daniels might be the best quarterback in the conference. And again, you got a team with a ton of starters back. Herm Edwards has done a really good job there. But there's also an NCAA investigation going on in the recruiting allegations in uh, Tempe, and that might uh, be a distraction uh, for Herm Edwards. UCLA has got a win total of seven, and uh, the Bruins could take a big jump. But again, Chip Kelly's ten and twenty-one there, and um, he's he's lost a lot of close games, including to Stanford and USC late last season. I, I think this uh, schedule for the Bruins is tougher than a two-dollar stake. So I, I'm, it's going to be it's hard to predict UCLA to go over seven. Colorado was a surprise team in the conference last year. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think the Buffaloes take a step back, and Arizona's completely rebuilding. Uh, but Jed Fish, the former quarterbacks coach for the Patriots, um, starting at rock bottom. So anything he does this season, a three-win season, would actually be pretty good for Arizona. Then you look at the Pac-12 North, Washington and uh, Oregon considered the best teams. Mario Cristobal does a great job recruiting, but he's not the best game management coach, obviously. And uh, Jimmy Lake at Washington's got an inexperienced quarterback, and and that raises a lot of question marks when I try to forecast what's going to happen with the Huskies. You look at Cal, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State. Uh, it is, it's a tough uh, conference to uh, predict. But, again, I'm going to go back to Utah. I think uh, the Utes undervalued and I think should win the conference. Yeah, one team, though, that you referenced there just with what's going on at Arizona State and the recruiting violations or whatever it may be that ultimately comes out. I'm curious how that will happen because last year – 
they are another one of those teams that like barely got off the ground in terms of being able to play games. And you could see so much potential in that team, the potential in Jaden Daniels. That game they played against Arizona, I want to say the final was like 70-7 to in that Territorial Cup. Yes. You saw a lot of <laughs> glimpses of what that team could potentially be, but now there's just so many question marks going into this year. Who knows? Sun Devils are talented enough to win nine or ten games. You know, even with road trips to BYU, UCLA, Utah, and Washington, uh, you just don't know what this NCAA probe is going to mean uh, for Herm Edwards in that program right now. I think it's tough to bet over a high win total of eight and a half, not knowing that. Mm-hmm. But, man, you look at Jaden Daniels in his first couple of years. He's a third-year sophomore. He's got 22 touchdown passes and three picks in uh, his two seasons. And... Um, Anytime you have a quarterback that talented, you have a chance to be pretty damn good. And uh, the losses last season for uh, for uh, Arizona State, the two losses were by a total of eight points. So it should be a really good team. So, humans, I'm curious, uh, out of the two teams that we're going to see out there in Southern California, who would you say is going to be most overvalued by the market, USC or UCLA? Yeah, that's a good question. It's, uh, I, I think USC is always a little bit overvalued. You look at Clay Helton over the last uh, three seasons, he is 13 and 18 against the spread, 18 and 13 straight up. So I think that tells you right there that USC is overvalued. When I, I mentioned uh, USC last season, five and one, but how lucky was that five and one record? You had those improbable comebacks against Arizona State, Arizona, and UCLA. So you know Keaton Slovis is a legit Heisman candidate. I think there are a lot of questions on that USC defense, and I'm going to say with uh, Clay Helton in charge, the USC is probably going to be the more overvalued of the two teams. How tough of a job does Helton have at USC? Like that job just in general, the criticism that you're getting on a daily basis, you can't do anything right even if you're winning. <laughs> no, but he's getting paid well. So even hey, yeah, if he's fired, he's going to be fine. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to be fine. I, I, you know, it's a tough job. You play the, the college football playoff is when you're at USC, that's a goal every year. And uh, the, the Trojans really haven't been that close to it. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. Chip Kelly's got high expectations at UCLA, but he's getting paid so much that even if he flops, he's he's uh, got plenty of money in the bank. So I never say those jobs are that tough. I think Stormy U and JVT might have tougher jobs. And much less money. How's that work? <laughs> yeah, <that's what> <laughs> Get me USC money. Sign me up. Hey, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate you coming on with us, Matt. Hey, you bet. Anytime. Thanks. That's Matt Eumann's host of My Guys in the Desert here on VEASAN Monday through Friday. Yeah, that's a word on the street. I haven't seen him on that show for like six months. (laughs) Whoa. Shots fired. Too bad bad he's not with us to defend himself. But I love that you've got the guide out in front of you right here. You've just got, is that your Phil Steele? Yeah, just familiarize yourself with the schedules and whatnot. Shockingly enough, I cannot memorize every team's schedule, so I like to put it in front of me. Well, figure it out, because I need this photographic memory in my life. No, uh, we will be back. We're going to talk plenty more college football throughout the course of this show, get into a little bit of NFL, also update you on the live line going on in the MLB right now, finish up that scoreboard for you, and uh, I I just love saying Kraken, and so We're probably going to talk more NHL because I'm going to say what's cracking at least 20 more times in this show. Stay with us on VFIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is a nightcap. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. 
But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. on the nightcap plenty of action going on in the MLB and that's where we're going to start this one then we're going to get into a little college football breaking news so JVT what do we have on the board all right so a couple of things one the Cleveland Indians they do take it from the Houston Astros five to four James Grinchek comes in close to the game out and gets the save so the Astros fall to 58 and 39 a reminder again for those uh, who did not keep track of the market prior to this uh, sizable Chunk on the money line here for the Cleveland Indians closed in the range of 224, 225. Best prices out there uh, opened about plus 245. So we saw a market move in the Indians' direction. Eli Morgan and the Indians get the win. It's Shaw who is charged with the victory, but the Tribe get a win nonetheless. And the Los Angeles Dodgers have taken a 2-1 lead over the Giants. Bellinger scores on a double to the corner, so they are up 2-1. But Giants threatening right now. Got a runner on third, and Julio Arias has to get two outs. 
to get out of there without a scratch. We shall see. So we will keep you updated there. Our producer, Aaron, brought us uh, brought this to our attention. That some breaking news from Jason Whiteley of WFAA that early next week, Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma are going to send their letter to the Big 12 stating that neither school will renew their media contracts when they expire in 2025. And after notifying the Big 12 next week, they'll petition the SEC for membership. These have been some rumors that we've been hearing for a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts? So I think it, it makes sense, right? If you're if you're Texas and if you're Oklahoma, regionally it still makes some sense. It also just makes sense where they're – Let's just go where there's more money and better players, right? You know, just playing with the label SEC next to your name as opposed to the Big 12 opens doors and pipelines for you in terms of recruiting and and whatnot and top of this newfound landscape, which is, you know, the NIL and all of those things. So, mm-hmm. you know, it does make sense. It, what, what this means now, big picture-wise, right, if the SEC is a 16-team 16, 16 conference and do we start to get to this the point where we're forming this giant mega a conference. power conference right, that, that people are the power conferences. It's just the power conference. Right, that people are afraid of they're going to happen and you know, ruin college football, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, we see this a lot, right? The Texas and Oklahoma have flirted before, and we'll see if maybe this is something that is going to be legitimate now going forward. Maybe they just want a bigger piece of the pie in the Big 12, and ultimately everything calms down and they go back to the Big 12. But the, these are the steps that you take if you're just looking for a bigger piece of the pie. So whether it's going to be in the SEC, where there'll be two very you know very solid competitive teams, or whether it's doing this and using it as leverage to get more out of the conference that you're currently in. Uh, but that would be a, a massive blow, obviously, yeah. for the Big 12, because then do you start to look at, like, what are the teams that you are adding, right, that you're pilfering from group of fives? You know, probably a couple that you could take from the American, whether it's going to be a Houston, whatever it is. But if you're replacing Texas and Oklahoma, you know, nothing against those programs, with those two, mm-hmm. your conference takes a massive hit and starts to look a little bit more like a group of five conference. I hate conference realignment, like with just a serious passion. I hate, I'm just not a fan of when teams jump ship or when schools jump ship. And I mean, you know my passion for the Mountain West Conference. Um, if I remember correctly, San Diego State actually flirted with the Big East for a while. Yeah, and I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. I'm not, I was, it's absolutely ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I think about just back in the day, obviously the Mountain West used to have the University of Utah, mm-hmm. TCU, BYU, no longer. And the conference went from getting five teams in the Mountain West, I mean, in the NCAA basketball tournament to being a automatic bid league. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's tough. Like, I don't like that for conferences. I don't, I don't, I don't want Texas and Oklahoma to go to the SEC. I'm just going to say it. No, but ultimately, right, it's, it's about the benefit. Like you mentioned some yeah. of the program. Look how, look how well it has gone for teams like Utah and like TCU, right? I remember watching UNLV basketball games where they would go play TCU. It was was a moratorium. Nobody was there. Nobody really cared about basketball or things of that nature. Now their football program is perennially at the top of that conference. Their basketball program is a quality basketball program. There's teams that fit certain places. So I think TCU is one of those. That's a very good example, Mm -hmm. I think. But beyond that, like I don't think BYU needed to leave. Mm -hmm. I I still think that they have a very hard time finding a place as an independent. We saw that last year in the football season. How big of a challenge was that for them every week to get an opponent because they weren't in a conference? Yeah. So in the middle of a pandemic, too, it's challenging to go out and find those guys. You're right. And I think we'll see, like, this is always, business is always like this. And we'll see if this is legitimate. You mentioned it. These have kind of been bubbling beneath the surface for a while now for Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, They have floated in years past as well. Uh, It would be pretty interesting to see (laughs) what the SEC would look like with Texas and Oklahoma in it uh, and what that would mean for college football as a whole. Because then if you're the Big Ten, for example, you look to start snatching up a couple of more teams, right, or a couple more programs, universities, to add to your conference to then 
add to your own super conference. So it, it starts maybe an arms race, for lack of a better term, in terms of adding teams. Yeah, there's a big ripple effect, uh, mm -hmm. the way that that transpires going around. Um, good stuff, though. I appreciate that. Maybe, maybe we'll have to talk a little bit more Big 12 later. I know we're definitely going to get into the ACC and Clemson, where they sit in the national landscape of things. But plenty more to come, as always, here. we got another hour and a half here on the Nightcap. So don't go anywhere. This is VSID, the Sports Betting Network. Football betting guides are coming soon, and there's no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Each guide's only 20 bucks, and discounts are available when you buy both. Now's the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. You can sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe as we welcome you back into the nightcap. And our guy JVT here actually wrote the preview for the Mountain West Conference in the betting guide. So that's where we're going to go next. I am a San Diego State graduate. How are you feeling about my Aztecs, if we can just get that out of the way quickly? Uh, so I think I went under. I'm going to double-check my writing here. But it wasn't due to anything negative about the writer. Because they're bringing a lot back. Yeah. Like they're, I think it's the entirety of their wide receiving core, entire offensive line, their running back. They probably have the best like system of running backs uh, in the Mountain West. But their schedule is like relatively challenging when you look at it. So, yeah, six and a half shaded to the under to buck 25. San Diego State, the win total there. And I uh, did go under. They do have two Pac-12 opponents, right? Non-conference schedule. Arizona, Utah, they should be able to take care of Arizona. Utah, though, as we talked about, is going to be really good this year. That's going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at the rest of the schedule, right, two other non-conference opponents, New Mexico State and Towson, should be winnable games, perfectly fine. But of the eight Mountain West opponents, four of them have equal win totals or higher to their own. They have to face the top two teams in their division, right, in terms of Nevada, San Jose State, as well as Boise State. So you're going to get the Spartans, I think, uh, on the road, and that's the only one. So that kind of works in their favor. But if you're talking about looking at the schedule, really strong Pac-12 opponent, taking on the best teams in the division. They might, they're, I think they're going to be much better this year, but I feel like it's going to be kind of hard to push for seven, eight wins. So under. I don't like your opinion, mm. but I'll have to listen to it you're nonetheless. Gonna, you're going to uh, go undefeated, right? <laughs> I do think that Brady Hoke in his second stint can start to make some things happen as they progress. The, in the predicted or finish that was released today by the Mountain West Conference at their media days, they were predicted third in the division behind the Spartans and Wolfpack. Do you think San Jose is going to be as good as they were? So they were my pick to win the conference in our guide. Uh, okay. we, we had to fill them out and pick all of our conference winners, division winners. I do. I, I like everything that San Jose State brings to the table on top of having a, a relatively manageable schedule, right? When you talk about their conference opponents and, and who they're going to get, right? Like you get some of the bottom feeders, UNLV, Utah State, Fresno State's going to be a sneaky good team this year, uh, but you get to take care of business against them. They get both Wyoming and San Diego State, but they're both in San Jose, so those are more favorable matchups for them as they look forward in terms of their schedule. And so that's going to be, I think, really strong in terms of going forward with this. When you look at their schedule, the reason why I gave them a little bit of an edge was their schedule from a conference standpoint was a little bit more manageable. You get games like uh, Western Michigan's going to be relatively challenging, but they're home against New Mexico State. All those sort of things, I think, work. And by the way, they have, sneakily, I think the best defensive line in the conference. They have a quarterback play back that was absolutely phenomenal from a year ago in Nick Starkle. And they have one of the better coaches in the conference. So I think overall, it just sets up really nicely for them to not go only go over their win total, which I wrote about in the, the guide, but to win this conference again.
So speaking of sneaky, since you mm-hmm. kind of snuck this in, you think that the Bulldogs are going to be a sneaky good team. Why? So I think there's two there's two teams that, from a win total standpoint and from like a night to night like competitive standpoint, they're going to be a pain in the ass. And I think it's going <laughs> to be Fresno State because Fresno State, if you look at it, uh, Jake Hayner comes back for played in all six games for Fresno State yesterday. Former Washington Husky quarterback was great last year. 65% in terms of completion percentage, just a little over that 65.7. They have a defense that brings back so much stuff. Ten starters overall, and a lot of these teams do. Really deep front seven as well at this point right now. A lot of it rides on Hayner, though, and Hayner, as the season went along, got really, really good. Throw nine interceptions, or excuse me, nine touchdowns, that's not good. The two interceptions in the final three games. And there is just room for some upward momentum here. And then you look, again, at their schedule. They have to play Boise State, Wyoming, Nevada, San Jose State, San Diego State this season. So that's going to be tough in terms of going over their win total. But then, three of those contests coming on the road, you get up to that, they're going to get Nevada, Boise State at home. They get UNLV in New Mexico at home. They have to take on Hawaii and Cal Poly, just manageable games. So I think like in those situations against the big boys of the conference, yeah. they're going to be underdogs and bet on teams. Uh, and I think they're going to be really plucky in those spots. And look out. I'm doing it now. The New Mexico Lobos. I think I think they got Danny Gonzalez. I think is a really good thing going here. The Lobos, for those who don't know, last year had to play all their home games at Sam Boyd. They had uh, to practice oh, and they had, yeah, they had to practice do all these things at a hotel ballroom. And yet they they had a winning ATS record in terms of percentage wise. You if you invested them game to game, I think they was 57 percent, like seven of their of their seven games. They won their final two games. They were getting better as the season went along. And now this year, get a key transfer and former Kentucky quarterback, Terry Wilson. You have a lot of guys coming back in terms of both offense and defense. Danny Gonzalez, I think, is a really good head coach. And you look at their schedule as well in terms of winnable games for a team like New Mexico across the board. There are a lot of things that work in their favor. You know, you get a traditional home schedule, 17 returning starters, eight of those guys on offense, leading rusher. Like, all of these things come together in a spot where I think that New Mexico is going to be about a five- or six-win team, and they're going to be really, really competitive on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, that number for them, four and a half. Everyone's a lobo. Woof, woof, woof. I'm down, yeah. (laughs) Boise State, though, however, we got to make sure we touch on them because they are the favorite to win the conference, which is something that we tend to see year after year, it seems, with the Broncos. Um, what are they bringing back this year? So they got a lot. Well, and, and like humans mentioned it, if you go, they're just reading a bunch of any Everyone's team, bringing them back. Pretty much everybody yeah. has like 18, 19 guys <laughs> coming back, and it's the same thing with Boise State. And, you know, key guys, right? The two guys who played key roles for your quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer, Jack Sears, both coming back. Uh, but what's interesting about Boise State, it's twofold. One, Whole new coaching staff, right? Andy Avalos comes in, takes over for the program. Brian Harson now, of course, with Auburn. So what that transition is going to be like is pretty sneaky. I don't know if I love the quarterback position, but at least you get continuity there from the last two years. But there, you get Central Florida as a non-conference game. You get Oklahoma State as a non-conference game. You get BYU as a non-conference game. In terms of your opponents, they get both Nevada and Wyoming. They both have to go to the Smurf turf, but still, those are pretty quality programs. And like a sneaky little thing, too, is one of the teams that I kind of wanted to be is like a you know pain-in-the-ass type team that gets better as the year goes along, like a Utah State on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Logan Bonner, at quarterback. Anderson coming in to take over the program from Arkansas State. They're going to be better as the year goes along. They get them in the final week of the season. So I just think given everything, when you're talking about not only nine, uh, but like that's really high. So you're talking about 10 wins for this team. There's no margin yeah. of error. Go under.
Yeah, why risk it? Um, just before we get out of here, we got about 45 seconds or so left before we got to take a quick break. Uh, anybody else just on that mountain side of the division that you think can challenge? Uh, I think it really it's going to be Boise State. Like, yeah, I think it, it's I think theirs it's, to lose. Yeah, it's theirs to lose because the the really it's the West division. The West is stacked. Like if you're you're talking about which Nevada, is so San weird State, to say because right. that's not what we're accustomed to hearing. Yeah, and you're talking about your Aztecs, the Spartans. You're talking about Nevada. Like that's going to be the side of the bright. Like that's the side where. Like any one of those three teams, you wouldn't be surprised if they represent their division in the title game. But at this point, it's going to be Boise. So they're going to have, I think, a little bit of a rougher season than people expect. But I don't think there's anybody that catching them in that division. Being here in Vegas, we just got to get those Rebs out of the doghouse. I hate seeing them predicted last in that order <laughs> of finish year after year. When we come back, though, there was a pretty important nugget that came out of Mountain West Media Days that we're going to touch on out of the next break. Also, get in line with the ACC and see what might be going on there. Stay with us on the Nightcap. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. searches through millions of resumes in Indeed's database to deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly. More at Indeed.com slash credit. We are here on the Nightcap live from Circus Sports. I'm Stormy Bonantoni alongside JVT. We've been kind of diving into the college football conversation, just finished up talking about the Mountain West and some of the predictions on those totals for certain teams. But some big news that came out of the Mountain West media days today was that they will not require stringent COVID-19 tested for fully vaccinated players and coaches. And the biggest part of this, teams will forfeit games where they cannot field a roster rather than have it be declared no contest Mm -hmm. like last year. What does that mean for betters? So I, well, we kind of don't know. Like it it depends on, I think house rules. I I just texted Jeff Sherman uh, over at the Westgate Superbook to see uh, what the house rules would be. Uh, for the Superbook, right? It depends on a book. So that'll basis. depend, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where you're what house your rules are and, and what when total you're betting. And I know that uh, Aaron Oster, our producer, uh, texted uh, Patrick Everson about this, and he thought that it would be ruled essentially no contest by some operators. So it's important. Again, we, we always have these conversations when it comes to betting. You know, you always got to remember to check your house rules when you're betting on certain things. I ran to this position. I, I entered the NBA win totals contest over at the Westgate uh, during the pandemic shortened season. And so the, 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 the season ends, Stormy, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go collect my money when they open back up and get my, my entry fee back. I did not read the rules that said they had to play at least 42 for action, and they had played 50-ish games. So to action, and I'm still in this contest. So, you know, you always got to read the rules and make sure you're understanding what's going on from that perspective. So it's going to vary, I think, by operator. But what's interesting is, you know, a forfeiture is a loss by the official standard. So if this situation does come true for this Mountain West team, because we haven't had anything official from the other conferences yet, right, in terms of postponements. But at least when it comes to the Mountain West, if you do not have enough players to play due to COVID-19, it goes down as a forfeit. So but what that means for win totals is these are all up now mm-hmm. uh, for operator by operator. And that is going to be pretty fascinating, and you always want to make sure that you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. And obviously the Mountain West Conference is one of those group of five, um, you know, non mm-hmm. Whatever, what are what do we call those? The non-autonomous five, is it? Yeah, that? whatever so, it is. Yeah. Whatever they want to call it, but it's it's not an SEC making this rule, so it'll be interesting to see if there is a domino effect in other leagues take by take that by example and decide that's the direction they want to go. It, if it was the SEC, you could see that more likely, but I, I don't see the SEC forfeiting any games if that's just me. But Craig Thompson, commissioner of the Mountain West, said. Earlier on the podium, last year there was no vaccine. Last year there was not a choice to be made. This year there is. We won't mandate as a league vaccination, but there will be consequences if you're not able to participate as a team, and that's a very firm stance. Mm-hmm. You don't got time, man. Let's get this season done. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we got to move this thing along. So, and this is you kind of alluded to. It. This is this is the strongest stance we have seen on this issue from any of the conferences. So, uh, the Mountain West not messing around with something like this. So we'll see if uh, what this comes up. I, I would think, just just kind of assuming, I would kind of think that Aaron had the point, and I think it is accurate. I think that you would probably consider it a no contest because the game itself is not played, as opposed to right actually counting towards something. So, again, we'll see. You check with your... Uh, your local rule, your local book in terms of rules. <laughs> yeah, because you know someone's gonna walk in and be like, "Oh, it's going. This is a loss. What's right. going on here, man?" Yeah, and there's gonna be something where like both teams 
had to forfeit and they're so that'll be each just other and then that'll what just do be you fascinating. do <laughs> um i did want to move on though change up the game and talk about the acc because they had their acc kickoff and media day beginning today as well the clemson tigers as expected your big favorite minus 900 to win the conference yet again and um right there behind alabama in the national championship futures um and it's no surprise. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. And I think when you look at this, right, it's at least the, the attack that I will take is, okay, when you have somebody who is this big of a favorite, do you look across the board and can you make a case for anybody else that is behind Clemson at this point? And that doesn't necessarily mean there is value too, right, because of everything that is baked into these numbers and the hold. But if you look at this, like Clemson at minus $9, it makes sense. So you, They're one of these few teams because you get a lot of guys in these teams that are going off to the National Football League, right? You know, Ohio State's one of them that doesn't have these 21 guys coming back. Uh, but on the the questions are offense. DJ Uyangale taking over at quarterback for the first like for for the good measure. He played two games last year, had great performances, 914 mm-hmm. yards, five touchdowns. But it's not just him, right? Travis Etienne's gone as well. You get a pair of freshman running backs and they take the load there. I think the thing that I'm relying on here, though, one DJ Uyangale getting two starts is massive last year because he's going to be comfortable in the role. Looked really good. Played a lot in blowouts. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. When he got to play. And I think. The defense looks fantastic, right? You're talking about it. one of the def- best defensive lines in the country returning intact. Only one starting linebacker gone, so James Skalski, Balen Spector are going to be back in that fold as well. Really talented and experienced the defensive backroom too. So, and you look at their ske- their schedule. It's maybe the yeah. easiest behind Duke in the ACC, legit, which is crazy. And that's with, by the way, them starting their season against Georgia, where they're yep. minus four favorites, by the way, if you want to get a look at that game one of the season. But their schedule, just as in terms of strength of schedule for the conference as a whole, they have one of the easiest ones. Yep, so they get, so Georgia Tech will start off uh, the, their conference play. They have uh, NC State, and NC State's going to be a really solid team. Uh, but NC yeah, Dave State, Dorn is, you know, he tends to put a good team together. Right, and they have a lot of returning personnel. Mm-hmm. Like their line, their uh, their linebacking core is very good. So Clemson, like like NC State's going to be a good team, but Clemson on the road is going to be a prohibitive favorite still in that spot. They get to host Boston College again. Uh, Jerkovich there in terms of the being quarterback, and that offense is going to be a lot better. But again, Boston College. At, on the road against Clemson. Clemson should be able to take care of business. And then after that, you're talking about Syracuse, Pitt, Florida State, Louisville, the UConn, Wake Forest. You end the season with your usual spot against South Carolina. You know, Clemson is, at least for if you're using strength of schedule from a season ago, this is one of the easier schedules that you're going to see. No Notre Dame on the schedule, right? No North Carolina on the schedule until potentially ACC championship game. Like, uh, it's incredible to look at this, and I think that's why you see this too. It's it's not just that Clemson is going to be Clemson again. Mm-hmm. Their schedule, it's it's incredible. And also, I will say, what raises the strength of schedule for a lot of other teams in the ACC is when they have Clemson on their schedule. Clemson right. doesn't have Clemson. They don't have one <laughs> of those competitors in the conference like you referenced. Um, and just because you mentioned NC State up there, that's a team that obviously overachieved a bit mm-hmm. last year with their win total and they have a tough schedule because they do draw Clemson, North Carolina and Miami on top of a trip to Mississippi State in the non-conference. So that's not a schedule that Clemson right. has. Yep. And so and then you look at so like it's like okay, so who upsets them if it's going to happen? And you you look at a team like North Carolina, right? North Carolina you have Sam Howell back, and you a lot of people would think that's all that matters. Potential Heisman candidate. Uh, right, correct, well. right. Uh, but, you know, a thing that kind of turns me off, because I think their, their offense is going to be awesome. Last year, 41.5 points per game, 530 yards per game, over 7.5 yards per play. They were absolutely tremendous. But 
when you look at skill positions. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, both in the National Football League. Diami Brown, Daz Nusa, both in the National Football League. So your top two skill guys at both wide receiver and running back aren't there. The offensive line's intact, though. All five starters come back, so they should be really good still, and you have a quarterback at that level, your offense is going to be fine. My question, Stormy, is, so we always talk about returning starters, right? And returning starters are generally a positive thing. But what if your returning starters weren't good? Because, like, my question is when you look at this defense, like, are they going to be better because they get 10 guys back? But go back through what happened to them in a couple of spots last year, right? The losses to Florida State, Virginia, they were kind of unacceptable for a team, right, that wants to win an ACC. FSU gouged them for 241 yards on the ground, 6.7 yards per carry. Virginia Tech killed them on the ground in a couple of those matchups. They were very poor up front against the run. And so now you bring 10 guys back, which ultimately held them back in a couple of the matchups. They were efficient. Notre Dame was really efficient on the ground against them, too, in that strong win. So, like, I wonder with North Carolina, does the defense again ultimately hold them back? Because their offense is going to be really good, but your defense has to be good, too, to be able to pull this off. And I just don't know if that is going to be the case, you know? Something that I thought was interesting is they're picked second in the division, um, but they trail Miami in the national championship odds. And I, I just thought that that was kind of an. I think that North Carolina is the better team between the two of them. And so I was a little bit. Caught off guard by that, I guess. Uh, well, some of that's liability, right? Like, so wherever you're looking at for your odds, you know, Miami might have a little bit more on them in terms of a future odds. So you have to adjust the odds a little bit ahead of where they might usually be. That's always the thing you got to keep in mind when it comes to futures odds. Like, for example, we always talk about the Lakers, right? The Lakers are at the top of the. Well, the Lakers are a very popular team, and books more often than not are always going to build up liability on the Lakers. So the numbers are always going to be a little bit shorter than they probably should be. And I would willing, I'd be willing to bet dollars to donuts that that's probably the case. Like, just a little bit more liability on one side, and you see the longer odds a little bit on the other end. And Miami's fascinating, too, because, like, Miami... What a spark Derek King was last year. Well, right, but, like, he's coming off of a major ACL injury. And and he is, the quotes are, 100% ready, I'll be fine, all those things. The talent is there in terms of everything they're bringing back as well. The defense, you'll replace a couple of defensive ends in terms of the National Football League, but their defense is going to be extremely talented. I just, I'm just amazed. And, look, it's medicine and technology today is incredible. I'm just amazed to watch this guy tear his ACL so late in the season last year and then be ready to go. And especially, he's not pocket passer guy, right? Like, he is an athlete. he's an athlete. He is dynamic in his athleticism. And to just be like, nope, full bore. We're good. 100% torn ACL don't matter. I'm here for game one. Like, that's that's nuts to me. Yeah, 100%. You never know. That's what's so tough. Even in the NFL, you look at certain guys coming back. Joe Burrow, like, what is he going to be like right. after coming off such a – Tragic season-ending injury. Another team, though, real quickly, that intrigues me in the ACC for whatever reason, Boston College. Their mm-hmm. win total is seven. And, I mean, obviously they're in the Atlantic with Clement, with Clemson, but I think that they could be a lot better than they've been given credit for where things sit right now, mainly due to Phil Dracovic, obviously, coming over from Notre Dame. He brought some new life to this team. They yep. have the entire offensive line back, which was a pretty solid group. You talk about bringing players back that hold you back. That's a group that was pretty good that I think is going to get better. All of his big play receivers are back. His top three wide receivers last year all had over 15 yards per reception. Running game should improve. Like, I think they have a lot of things going for them. Yeah, I would agree. And like, and then you you factor in the schedule, right? You get NC State at home. Uh, you get Florida State mm-hmm. at home. You play Clemson, but outside of that, on your schedule, there is no Notre Dame. There is no North Carolina. You're talking about the other games being against Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, right? Syracuse. Louisville as well is going to be a tough road game for them. But I would agree with that. Like If you're looking at what they were on offense last year, what they could potentially be, and you have the most important piece, a quarterback who is reliable and really good, 
Like I, I would agree with the fact that Boston College, I know their win total set in the range of like seven, mm-hmm. and, but it's it's baked to the over at about a dollar forty. There's a reason why. Like they're going to be really competitive. Well, year. yeah, and they're a team that still had to put in a new offense yep. last season in a COVID year. Now you get a full camp, you know, get to explore things a little bit, get a little bit better. And I, I like Jacoby. He, he looked really yeah. good last year. Yeah, I think so too. I got to tell you before we go, yeah, I was really impressed with just the ways that Uwangalule. Nailed it. Teach me your ways. Uh, (laughs) Plenty more college football and we'll get NFL when we come back. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast. To start listening.